0: Um, This morning, it's going to be something completely different because it's Reformation Sunday. And this morning, we want to look at, it'll be a little history, but we're going to look more at Bible study, God willing. I don't know how far we'll get this morning. We'll see how the Lord leads. Will you turn with me just to one verse to start us off, and it's in Romans chapter 1 and in verse 17. Romans chapter 1, verse 17, please. Uh, we'll entitle this morning's message, An Overview of the Five Solas. S O L A S. An Overview of the Five Solas. And just as a basis, Romans 1, verse 17. Paul writes, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. That's very important. Notice the righteousness of God, not man's self righteousness. But how a man is righteous in God. It is by God's imputed righteousness through Christ. And it is from faith to faith. Take note of this. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just or the justified. That's all of us who are saved this morning, no matter our background. No matter where we're from. When we're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And then we are righteous in Christ, and the justified shall live by that faith in Christ and his finished, full, and complete work on Calvary's cross. Let us pray. Father, we just ask you now that you would shut each and every one of us in with your own self, Lord, as we go through these scriptures, Lord, and we remember, Lord, the time when you brought Lord, everyone who would trust in Christ through the light of your word out of darkness, Lord. and We ask you, Lord, that you would speak to all of our hearts this morning. And glorify your son. Bless those families who are away today, Lord, who cannot be with us or maybe those who are ill at home. We think as well, Lord, especially still very tender after bereavement, we think of the Connolly family, Lord. And we just ask you at the loss of Billy, Lord, that you would bless and encourage them and comfort them. And we think also, Lord, of Patterson's, Lord, that still very tender after the bereavement, Lord, that Karen would know your nearness and that Jim also, Lord, Connolly would know the very drawn near of Christ and of your spirit. Lord, we think of those who are still tender, Lord, after recent bereavement, Lord, we pray that you draw near to them. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you're a loving, kind and generous God, and we thank you for your word this morning. Bless thy word unto our hearts and glorify your name, we ask it. Amen. Amen. Before I start, is everyone warm enough, or will we keep the heating on? Is everyone okay? We'll keep it on for a while, and we'll see how it goes. And if you get cold here, or too warm, we'll turn it off, and if we get cold, we'll put it on again. An overview of the five solas. The Reformation really brought out five solas from Scripture. That's the Italian, or pardon me, the, the, from, the, uh, from Rome and Italy right through to today, we see that the, the church has been built uh, on these five solos. That is really from the Protestant Reformation onward. But what especially Martin Luther and others were trying to do was before there was a Protestant mentioned in Scripture, before there was a Catholic Roman Catholic mentioned in Scripture, trying to bring back apostolic teaching and apostolic doctrine to the first century, You know, in the day of our Lord Jesus, there were no Protestants and there were no Roman Catholics. There was the Ecclesia, the called out believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what Martin Luther was trying to do. On the 31st of October, 1517, he was an Augustinian monk. He actually was in the University of Erfurt in Germany, then later transferring Uh, to the monastery at Wittenberg. And there, on the 31st of October, 1517, Martin Luther nailed what is known as his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Cathedral, or the monastery in which he was a Roman Catholic monk in. He had noticed that in Scripture, it was different from what the tradition of the church was telling and teaching the people. And hence Martin Luther, drawing from the Scripture, especially as we have read this morning, the just shall live by faith. He draws from this, and through his meticulous study of the Word of God, he then goes to nail these theses to the door. 31st of October, 1517. When Luther discovered these truths, he discovered they were about the salvation of the soul. The sanctification of the believer and justification found in Christ and in Christ alone, and hence he broke with the, uh, dramatically from the from the teaching of the Church of Rome, and he looked to see what was a man and how was a woman, what was it that made them acceptable with God? What makes you today and me acceptable with God? And hence that teaching is still today that we see its salvation by grace. Not in the church. It's not in the Catholic church. It's not in a Protestant denomination church. It's not in this church. It's not in any church, but in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And hence Martin Luther, uh, scouring the scriptures, he went through these to see what the scriptures had to say, not what the Roman church at the time had to say it was christ and his full and complete work on the cross and he realized it was nothing that he could accomplish even as a monk matter if he wore a hairy shirt and went to a cave it didn't matter what he done or how he lived salvation was through divine grace and a sovereign move of god and so the controversy began between Martin Luther and the Church of Rome. One of the main ones was over indulgences, which was a way to reduce the amount of punishment one had to undergo for their sins if they paid indulgences throughout their life. Martin Luther seen this as unscriptural. And Martin Luther wanted to reform the church. Notice he wanted to reform the church it wasn't Martin Luther who left the Roman Catholic Church. He wanted to reform it. But of course, it was beyond the redemption in that. And so there became the schism. And eventually, Martin Luther, on the 3rd of January, 1521, he was excommunicated by Pope Leo X from the Catholic Church. He wanted to reform. To reform means to make better by the removal of the faults. And he wanted to make it better by the removal of the faults, but this was to no avail. Johann Eck was a a Roman Catholic, uh, worthy, if you call it, to their denomination. And Johann Eck debated Luther at Leipzig. And he accused Luther of sounding too much like Johannes Huss, That is John Huss in our English language. And John Huss was a pre-Reformation, a predecessor to the likes of Martin Luther. In fact, Huss was 100 years before Martin Luther. And Huss being burned at the stake for his uh, denial of the Mass. And for him seeing in the scripture that which was being taught in the church of Rome, which was not scriptural, Uh, Johann Huss or John Huss was burned at the stake in 1415. In fact, his name, Huss, as in John Huss, it means goose, G-O-O-S-E, goose. And when, just as they were burning him at the stake, it was said that the goose had been cooked because he had been burned at the stake. And hence we have the saying today, when we're under a calamity, your goose has been cooked. That's where it comes from. And Johan Hus, or John Hus, he had a followers called the Hussites. In fact, he, is, he was in Bohemia, which was uh, Czechoslovakia, which you have now uh, Czech, uh, Slovakia, and you have uh, the Czech Republic, which had broken up in recent years into these nations, these countries. And in Prague, I know some people go. I was in Prague. The last time I was in Prague was Alison's 30th birthday. So I was about 40 years ago, we'll think. <laughs> I'll not get my dinner now when I get home. Uh, uh, was we went to Alison's birthday and we went to the church where he was. And unfortunately, they've just made it into like a big hall where there's like a museum and there's a little part of the pulpit just stuck on the wall. And there's a room where he lived. You go into the, you see his bedroom in a little place where he would have sat. In. And there's a big statue right in the center of that square there in Prague of John Huss and others, like Jerome of Prague. Jerome came just after John Huss, all with the same pre Reformation ideas from the scriptures that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. And so you can go and see all of those things if you if you will, or you want to. But before uh, he died, before he died, John Huss, whose name means goose, your goose has been cooked, he actually prophesied. People say prophecy is done away with. Well, Huss prophesied. And he prophesied something, there's a few different renderings of it, but from a hundred years from now, he said, in his day, one hundred years from now, A swan will come, whose voice and singing you will not be able to stop or hinder. And that was Martin Luther came at that prophecy. And hence we see the prophetic word even way back then. And 100 years later, we have Martin Luther. Uh, The swan idea, some say Martin Luther's family crest was a swan. Others said the old Saxony and Germany area was a swan for their crest. Uh, But either way, Martin Luther is known as the swan who came 100 years later. Before this again, in 1384, that is on the 31st of December, uh, John Wycliffe, the morning star of the Reformation, think about this. This is way before Luther. John Wycliffe, he started up the group called the Lollards. They were poor preachers, and he had the Bible written into English that it would go around. England, of course, and, of course, he was then uh, burned at the stake, and I think it was about 40-something, 40, I might get it, 43 or 48 years later, uh, they ended up, the the Roman church dug up his bones or his body, they burned what was left of him, and they crushed it to powder, and they threw it into the river Swift just to make sure that he was away, he was gone, and there was no return for him. But you know what the resurrection there will be when the Lord does resurrect all of us who are in Christ. Notice, and even before that, even before that, there was a man called Peter Waldo. They think his name was Peter, but most call him Peter Waldo. Peter Waldo uh, was known um, in Italy, and Peter Waldo was in the, the, the Alps. And he started a group called the Waldensians who were known in history as Israel in the Alps. And they actually really firmly believed that they were Israelites who had came from the days of the Apostles across, and they had uh, uh, they had lived in the Alps and took on the Reformed teaching uh, before even Martin Luther. Think about it. This is 300 years before Martin Luther. But it was the spark of Martin Luther and the 95 theses, and him nailing these theses to the door of the Wittenberg Cathedral, it was that spark that went like wildfire around the world then. Notice, here's some points that Martin Luther pointed out, and I'm just going to rhyme some of them off. First of all, Christians can have a direct relationship with God. Christians can have a direct relationship with God. There, there's a, a, brother, uh, a, a brother here uh, says to me one time, and he got saved, Roman Catholic, here this morning, and he got saved. And he came and he stood here with me, and his question was, can I get saved on my own? And I said, what do you mean on your own? Do you mean by what do you do? He says, no, when I'm on my own to call on the name of the Lord. And I says, of course you can. I don't need a priest. No, I don't need a pastor. I says, no, you see, it's, it's by grace through faith. And you can get saved by repenting of your sin and coming. And that brother has went on with the Lord wonderfully. Notice Christians can have a direct relationship with God. Secondly, there is only one source of grace. And that is from and through. From God, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, that Mary, our Lord's mother, is not a mediator between God and man. That there is only one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus, as the scripture says. And I'll just go quickly. Fourthly, saints are not our intercessors. Fifthly, he rejected the the trans, that's Martin Luther rejected transubstantiation. And uh, people argue a trans is a consubstantiation. There's different theories on it. But transubstantiation is that the lifting of the host wafer, that wafer turns into the literal body, blood, sinews, and divinity of Christ. And Martin Luther seen this as blasphemous as well as many others. And hence he Rejected it. I, I believe for a while, and he continued in it, and then he rejected it. And then, sixthly, the mass is not a literal sacrifice. In other words, Christ is not sacrificed as we came around the table this morning. But this bread and this cup reminds us of the body and broken body and the precious shed blood of the Lord Jesus. Seventhly, there is no such thing as purgatory. There is no such thing as purgatory. Purgatory is a a made-up doctrine, and it is false, and Martin Luther seen it, that it was false. Seatieth, praying to the dead is not possible, and praying for the dead. So when you see um, Halloween as we're, Martin Luther, 31st of October, Halloween, 31st of October, and some say, well, Halloween came from... uh, Hallow's Eve, which meant that people would pray for and to the dead saints. The dead and for the saints. And that's Hallow's Eve. Then it has taken another turn where Satanists say, well, you know, it's great to see so many of you celebrating Halloween because it brings all sorts of demonic activity onto the earth and among the people. And so people have an, an idea about this Halloween. Either way. Either way, the 31st of October is when we remember that Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses to the Wittenberg Cathedral. And notice this, praying to the dead is, and that's hallows in, hallows in, praying for the dead, pardon me, and to the saints. Praying for the dead and to the saints is not in the word of God. It is not scriptural. And in fact, it was a money-making racket. And it robbed the people, and it still does today. Notice this, ninthly, praying a private confession to a priest is not necessary for the forgiveness of sins. I can't forgive your sins. There's none can forgive your sins. Only the Lord Jesus Christ himself to forgive your sins. And then, of course, they have 10th, celibacy of priests was wrong. Eleventh, it is wrong to have services in Latin. He, he was against it because the people could not read the scriptures. Most of them were ignorant, unlearned people. And hence, John Wycliffe, before him, took the word of God and translated it into English. He says that even the poorest and the ploughboy in the field would be able to read the scriptures. But the scriptures were read in Latin. They were chained to the pulpit none could take them home and none could read it because they couldn't understand it. This is only some of them. And then, of course, 12th of uh, uh, Holy Water is not holy. He's seen that. Holy Water is not holy. doesn't matter how much I or anyone else prays over water. Water is still water. And the impurities or the cleanness of the water will still remain the same. And I'll do one more. Every believer is a priest every believer. So it's the priesthood of the believer. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, if you're saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ this morning, if you've been washed by faith in the blood of the Lamb and trusting only, solely, uniquely, and totally on that alone, then you're a believer this morning, repentant of your sin. Then you are a priest unto God. In other words, you can come before God. You are a priest unto God. And hence, not only the priests and in the Roman Church, Roman Catholic Church, but those who were saved by this grace, according to Scripture, not according to Martin Luther, but according to the Word of God, they were believers, were priests unto God. Let me look, if you will, with me, when you look at the five solas, as we're going to do an overview this morning. The five solas. First of all, we have sola gratia. And it means by grace alone, or grace only. Sola gratia. Then we have sola fide, by faith alone, or only faith. Then we have sola Christos, by Christ alone, or through Christ alone. Then we have sola scriptura, according to the word of God alone. In other words, as he looked at it and others looked at it, it had to be according to this book, or it wasn't to be upheld. It wasn't to be believed. It had to be according to Scripture. And then, of course, we have sole deo gloria, glory to God alone. The only one who receives glory is God himself. So let me look at these briefly. Maybe someday there's there's a... um, there's another one that's not one of the solas, but it's called Ordo Salutis. Ordo Salutis. And it means the order of salvation. And maybe someday we'll do that in itself. The order of salvation. How is a man and woman saved? Saved by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. They're saved by the Holy Spirit drawing the man and the woman by it with irresistible grace to the cross, seeing the Lord Jesus Christ as their only sin bearer. That he has paid it all. And then, of course, at repentance of their sin and the receiving of Christ, the great transaction is made and the Holy Spirit lives in the believer. That would be the order, ordo salutis, the order of salvation. But sola gratia, first of all, grace alone or grace only. Grace is unmerited favour. It is the unmerited favour of God to the undeserving. In other words, you and I did not deserve God to send His Son. We were sinners. All of us were. God sent His Son that we might be saved, and that is grace. We didn't work for anything. We didn't give anything. We didn't try for anything. In fact, the Bible tells us, in Ephesians chapter 2, says, and ye who were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. We were absolutely totally and completely dead spiritually toward god and grace found us grace came to us the undeserving grace means it's all of god and nothing of self grace means it's all of god from start to finish From the beginning of our salvation right through until he changes our fire body and we enter into the eternal state and age of the coming of Christ. And so grace means that it's not synergistic but mongeristic. Now let me tell you what that means very, very briefly. Synergistic means people think they work. Yes, Jesus died, but I must do. Yes, Jesus shed His blood. I believe in that, but I must pray so much. Synergistic means to go along side by side. It's not Grace is not synergistic. In fact, I would even think to say as much as grace is not synergistic that you chose Christ. You've done nothing of it, but rather that Christ chose you. Mongaristic. It's not synergistic but mongeristic meaning we are saved by grace through the regeneration of the Holy Ghost and there's none of it is off ourselves. It is the fullness of the work exclusively of the Holy Spirit on our hearts and in our lives. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, please. Ephesians 1 and verse 4. I'll call some of these out and if you want to try and keep up with me, We'll read through them and we'll see how we get on with them this morning. Ephesians 1 and verse 4. Paul writes, According as he, that is the Father, hath chosen us in him, that is the Son, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, before him in love. In other words, the Father gave us to the Son before we even existed. Romans chapter 9 and verse 16 says, So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. It's not of your will. It's not of your running or your doing. But it's all of the mercy of God toward us. Grace is when we receive that which we do not deserve. We've already spoke about it briefly. Mercy is when we do not receive that which we do deserve. We deserve to be standing guilty in judgment. We deserve that God would find us guilty and we would be cast away from his presence and even sent to a lake of fire and a burning hell. We deserve that as sinners before God who is holy. But mercy means we didn't get that. Mercy is that he didn't give us that. Rather, his mercy is that he kept us from that, giving us the grace of God which we did not deserve. So doubly we're blessed when we are in Christ. In Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, I think we'll all know the scripture. I mean it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. So it's not synergistic. It's not you working along with adding to the cross. Adding to the cross is nullifying your belief in the power of the blood. You working to try to add to anything that Christ has done for your salvation. It nullifies your faith that you believe in the power of the blood of Christ. For by grace you are saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Notice, we're saved. Our salvation is of the gift of God. It's a gift. Not of works, verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And then Romans 11 and verse 6 says, And if by grace it is no more of works. Notice, if we're saved by grace, then you can't add your works. It's mongeristic. It's all divine election and God's purpose. It's God's moving. It's God's planning. It's God's doing. Everything is of him. And at the end of it, he receives all the glory. And there's not one thing that the man and the woman can say, I even choose. Be careful when we say, oh, when I found Christ and I choose Jesus, you didn't choose Jesus. He chose you. You didn't find Christ. He found you. How love do you feel when you think of it? Loved eternally. And if by grace it's no more of works, so we, well, there's no more. This is for salvation now, not service. We, 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 serve Him because we love Him. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. In other words, if we can be saved by adding to and putting grace to. A, our works to, your, to the grace of God, then it isn't grace anymore. It's by your works. You have something to boast of. You have something to say. You have something to add. You have something to glory in. And you get that day before God to say, I did. I was. I helped. I done. And there's no flesh glories in His presence. Then it is no more of grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. <clears throat> And remember, this is just an overview. There's a lot more of this. But secondly, that was, that was grace alone. Sola gratia. Secondly, sola fide. Faith alone. Faith alone. Faith alone means the great transaction was made at the cross. Uh, it used to be called the great marvelous exchange. Christ bore our sin and our penalty. And we took his righteousness. And it was not imputed to us. Turn with me, please, to Romans 3. <clears throat> I don't know where it's the, the, the hot air blowing there. I'm drowned out. Let me get a drink. Say the hot air blowing, not me blowing hot air, by the way. <clears throat> Romans 3, please, in verse 23. For all have sinned. Notice. All of us, including the pastor, including the priest, including the pope, including, well, it was the queen, but the king now, the archbishop of Canterbury, all have sinned, every one of us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It means we have missed the mark. Notice being justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set to be a propitiation through faith. A propitiation through faith. Propitiation gives the idea of God's wrath has been averted. In other words, because God set him to avert the wrath that he had toward the sinner, God set Christ there. On the cross, that his death and him taking our sin and our penalty and our punishment and shedding his blood, then because of what he's done, the wrath of God was poured out on him rather than poured out on all of us who believe. I, I, I give this example, I've given it before and various times, but I think it's a goodness, so I'm going to give it again. And it's like you coming up to the, the bottom of a great wall, which is a dam. And behind it is trillions upon trillions of gallons of water. And if you can make it ridiculous that we walk against the wall, and there it is, maybe, uh, you know, half a mile high. And you go that way, and it's a half a mile, or a mile that way, and a mile that way. And there's a crack starts to come down it, and you realize this dam is about to give way. This dam is about to give way. And there you can't run back the way, it will outrun you. You'll be consumed. You can't go to the left. You can't run for a half a mile or a mile left or right. You haven't got the time. It will consume you. And the only thing you can do is to stand and take the fullness of the wrath, the fullness of the water, the fullness of the debris that would come and totally annihilate you. This is what it's like. And so hence you're standing there and suddenly it just breaks open. And the trillions upon trillions and gallons of water start to flow down, about to consume you. And a big chasm opens up on the ground, right at your feet. It opens up at the ground and swallows up all of the water and all of the debris. And there you're standing there waiting to be consumed by it. And rather, the chasm, it consumes everything that's flowing from the dam. See, you're hopeless and you're helpless, but this chasm is taken it all, not a splash. Not a drop is on the tip of the toe of your shoe. And you realize when it's all been exhausted that you have been saved. The propitiation that is in Christ is the same idea that when Christ died on the cross, the fullness of the wrath of his Father against and toward the ungodly and the wickedness It's like you're there and the cross is here and the fullness of wrath against you was poured out upon him. And he drank it all up and he took it all in and you didn't have a splash nor a drop of the Father's wrath to hit you and neither will you because you're saved by the grace of God found in Christ. Are you glad you're saved this morning church? We're thankful for the blood of Christ. Thankful for the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, let us just read another verse or two. Boy, time's flam. I might do part two next week. we will see. I have too much material here. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare, notice, his righteousness, not your righteousness, not my righteousness, not the church righteousness, not a denominational righteousness, his righteousness. Whose righteousness, church, do we declare this morning? Is it something you have done or accomplished or worked at or added to? No! Away with the thought. It is the righteousness of Christ and his righteousness alone. This doesn't matter whether you're a Protestant are a Catholic. In fact, Martin Luther and many of the early reformers at the regeneration of the Spirit showing them the Word of God would be ashamed at the Protestants today of where they've went to. Most of them are just, they're they're lost without Christ. Notice this. His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Through the forbearance of God. The remission of sins are past. My sins are past. My sins are gone. And it's his righteousness. Brings me. Into right standing with the father. And you into right standing with God. Notice this verse 26. To declare I say at this time his righteousness. There it is again. That he might be just And the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Now the Father can say that I am justified. Martin Luther found the just in our reading, Romans 1 and in verse 17, the just shall live by faith. In fact, he's taken it from Habakkuk in the Old Testament, chapter 2. Paul does, pardon me, Habakkuk 2 and verse 4. it's also in Galatians 3 and 11 and in Hebrews 10 and 38, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Not by works, but by faith. And notice here, he is the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And so when you and I are saved, when we are blood bought, when we are blood washed, when we are Christ's own, then here's what happens. The Father looks at you and the Father looks at me. He doesn't see our past, he doesn't see our sins. He doesn't see our failures. He sees his son. He sees his righteousness declared. And he looks at me guilty of it all. He looks at me innocent. And you innocent. And he says, not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Maybe someone here and you're stuck in the past because of your past. Listen. See if you're in Christ. It's time to move on. You're not guilty. You're not Guilty. I'll move on a little bit and then we'll round us up. Verse 27 says, Where is the boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. In other words, they were trying to work they were trying to labor at the law to be able to keep it on the salvation and they couldn't. You know why? Because they were human. Just like you and I. Romans 4, please. Romans 4, verse 3. Romans 4, verse 3. For what saith the scripture? Not what saith Martin Luther and I. Not what saith... Uh, Ken Davidson, the pastor in CET, or anything like that. What saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, unto him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. Now, what Paul is saying here is listen, Abraham, yes, he did take Isaac to sacrifice, but he had to have faith. And it was the faith that God counted for righteousness. That if he was to sacrifice Isaac, burn him to a crisp, as it were, into cinders, God promised him, and Isaac will I see be called, that he would raise Isaac back up from the very dust of the ground. The faith that he had, for God had said it. And hear what he's saying then, in verse 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace. See the word reckoned there. If you're taking notes, underline it or write it down. Logizomai. It's the word logizomai. And it means, it gives the idea of something that is finished. Something that is counted up, added up, settled in a finished, counted, settled condition. And calculated. Listen to what Paul is saying. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. And what Paul is saying here in a nutshell is, he's saying, look, the word reckoned, logizami, means you can't say that this is grace because we're all in debt. All of us are in debt before we meet the Lord Jesus. In debt of sin. Every one of us. Some in debt, maybe more than others, but nevertheless, all of sinned to come short of the glory of God. And we're all in debt. And what Paul is saying here is if you're saying that you can count up your works, then it's no more of grace. You're still in debt. And there's people all over in different churches and they think it is about their works. It's about what they do for their salvation. And the problem is they're still in debt because they could never pay the fullness of the price of their sin. Let's read quickly verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth in him that justifieth the ungodly. There it is again. God is the justifier. His faith is counted for righteousness, even as David also described the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. By the way, the, what, what Paul's speaking about there, David said, you'll find that in Psalm 32, if you read that when you go home. "Blessed is the man that the Lord imputeth not iniquity." That's what he's talking about. The Lord doesn't count up. He's not counting up all your sin. He didn't count up. Yes, it was all before and we were in debt, but we're talking about in Christ, we're talking about being saved. He hasn't a big mountain of sin still because of you. He hasn't counted it all up and come to a settled condition as, and this is the sin that you committed before you were saved, because it's all gone. It's all gone. That's why blessed is the man that the Lord will not impute or count up as iniquity. Whose sins are forgiven. Psalm 32, you can read it when you go home. Notice he imputeth. The word imputeth is the same for reckoneth. It means spiritual, to be in a spiritually prosperous condition. That the Lord, when he saves us, makes us in a spiritual prosperous condition. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. The word iniquities is lawlessness. Now, people try to get away and say, oh, there is no law of God today. Now, that's wrong. That's antinomianism. And that means that, that, well, you know, people think they'll do what they like. No, the lawlessness here, or the iniquity here is lawlessness. Anomia is the word. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also, For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham or counted again. It's the same word for righteousness. So brothers and sisters, it's sola fide is by faith in what Christ has done. By faith alone in the cross work, the finished work of Christ. By faith alone in the precious shed blood of Christ. By faith alone that his death. His burial, his resurrection is more than enough. Now, James 2 tells us faith without works is dead. He's not saying you work for your salvation. He's saying afterwards, show your faith by working for the kingdom. and Working, not working for salvation. Take note here, brothers and sisters, if you will. Let's go to Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, We're just as if we'd never sinned through our faith in Christ. We have present tense. Not we will have. So if you haven't got the peace of God because a troubled past or a peace of God because you still can't believe it, you're you're saved and you're washed in the blood, you have no assurance. Listen, if you've repented and you've been to the cross, your faith, in your faith that is imputed to you, God gave you that faith. In your faith, you will have peace because God says you're just as if you never sinned. You're just as if you never sinned. You're declared righteous. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And hence that takes us then to our reading. For therein there is righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we have sola gratia by grace alone, sola fide by faith alone, and maybe in God's will next week we'll look at solus Christos through Christ alone. Through Christ alone, sola scriptura according to Scripture alone. That's why we're showing you the Scripture of it, and then soli Deo gloria, which is giving glory to God alone. Let me this is what I wrote at the very end of all my study when I just put this together. To the lost, to the unsaved. It is not just reformation a person needs. It's not about cleaning up your act and it's not about trying to make things better and have a better life and trying to do what the Bible says. It's not just reformation a person needs, but it's regeneration their soul needs. The Holy Spirit awakens your heart and your life and you receive the scriptures and what they're in. It's not reformation. This is to the saved It's not reformation the saved needs because we have the reformation of the scripture here showing the word of God. It's not even regeneration the saved needs now because we are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. The saved now, it's transformation because many of us are going with a polluted mind, believing in polluted things and are far away from the scriptural truth of God. I'll leave that with you, believer. See where your life and mine are. I've searched my heart over and over again coming towards this teaching. This is a bit different. Last week I was ministering more to the body, trying to encourage the body of believers, ministering. But this is Reformation Sunday, so I wanted to bring out, to minister the word to the church, which is Christ's body. May God bless you this morning. It would surprise you many Christians now, talking about Christians, if you ask them about justification, sanctification, regeneration, if you ask them about all of these things, they wouldn't have an idea of the scripture because they're just going because, well, yeah, I believe it, but they couldn't tell you of it. No idea of it. And brothers and sisters, that's why this morning I thought, I want to teach it more and this is only a, a slight overview. We could do one a month nearly every, every week for a month. Slight overview to show you the depths of the scripture. And the depths of the word of God. Because see when you go home. You close your door and you've still got all your troubles. And you've got all your temptations and your trials. And you've got all your Critics. And you've got your haters, and you've got those who will despise you, and those who are against you. And when you go home and close the door, it's great when we're all here, but when you go home and close the door, it's that what stands. It's that. Read the word. Read the word. There's many believers, and you need to get off the milk and onto the meat. Been, you have been on the milk for a long, long time, for years. It's time you started chewing on the meat. Get off the milk and onto the meat. And there's those who are just saved who we'll give you the milk. And that's, that's not a condescending thing. Paul mentions it. It's the milk that a, as a newborn baby can drink the milk until they're able to start eating more solid food. But believer, every day, read the word. Take it to your workplace, brother, sister put it out in front of your work colleagues and open the Bible. You'll maybe get a conversation with them. Remember, I worked in a company in Carrick, Fergus. And I used to every, well, I did for not every, most. I went down and I sat, it was a big canteen full of boys and I sat down at a table. And I'd done that. I sat there read when I was eating me up or whatever I was eating. And some of them used to look and all walk away from me. They didn't want to know to turn and walk away until they thought then well he's, he's not stopping because we have rejected him so they thought they would attack me and they came around me and started attacking me and one said ah he says there's no truth in that thing I says, is there not and he says I'll tell you what he says ah sure it's all full of contradictions so I done this and I went and I closed the bible and I went show me Show me. And his mates started laughing at him. I said, I'm staking my eternity on this. And what it tells me my saviour has done. See, brethren, sisters, this tells us about our eternal welfare. This tells us, this book tells us of the Christ that we love and serve. This tells us not a denomination tells us not another church not a, not a minister not a pastor not a prelate, not a pope not a priest this tells us and martin luther came reading it as a catholic uh, monk augustinian monk and he read it and he went hold on a minute that's not what i'm being told that's not how, that's not how we have been taught and In the University of Eckford. He starts looking. And the just shall live by faith. I'm justified. But not by works. But through the blood of Christ. That Christ died for my sins. A once and for all sacrifice. And not in an unbloodied mass. Hold on a second. Brothers and sisters. This will take you. You believe it. This will take you to heaven. Church, would you say, praise the Lord? Praise would you shout it out? Praise because it's his word. It's his book. And I believe it with all my heart. And I believe it for tonight as well. The stage is being set for a new world order. Old Rishi Sunak was put in as prime minister, but there's more to it than meets the eye. There's globalism behind it. I'm going to talk about it tonight. So get in early. I'm going to look at the Hinduism behind it as well and the false gods and the leadership of the British government. See us tonight in God's will. I love you as in the Lord. You know that. I love you as all in the Lord. Don't care who you are. I love you as in the Lord Jesus Christ. I love you as your pastor, but I just love your soul. I love you And I want you to know that. But I love you in the Lord. I came here yesterday and I walked up and down here. And the wind was blowing and the rain was beating down and I was like a drowned rat. I couldn't get the right key to get in the door. And I walked up and down for a while and I knew maybe Martin and Derek would be here to clean soon and I kept looking to see if they were going. I didn't want them to catch me. Just cried on to the Lord. Literally. I cried on them. I cried for your soul. I cried for those who are fooling themselves. I cried for the sick, I prayed unto the Lord. And I cried unto Him, and I just kept walking up and down, and up and down, up and down. And I stood and I prayed over that side, and I prayed over here, and I prayed over here, and I prayed over there. And I'm saying, Lord. We need you to move. We need you to move in the hearts of our people. Lord, we just see it fit to just come tomorrow and move through your word? I trust the word of God has done something to your heart this morning. Not the preacher. Forget about the preacher. I went to hear a preacher one time and I thought, I don't really want to go because I didn't really like him, to be honest. He wasn't a nice person. And it wasn't too, but I was going because I said I would go. And you know, the Lord rebuked me because when I got there he preached the word that was right to my heart. It's not the messenger, by the way. It's the message. It's the message. And God bless us this morning.